This is the GGC Life podcast. And you're part of our church and you would like to you know, know the whole journey, please try to listen to last week's message. Go find it on Facebook or YouTube under GGC Life TV. But Facebook is Glorious Gospel Church. Um, it just help, helps you stay in the picture, it, just in case you missed out last week. Um, and so I'm going, to continue, I'm going to continue that. Now, obviously, the church needs to talk about money. Do you know why? Because money is such an important thing. And we value money in a big way. Jesus spoke about money. He actually spoke about not loving money. He said, you know, you can't love God and mammoth, money. And he says you, you, can't, you can't have two masters. And he called money a master. So money can become a master over us. It could rule us where we almost worship it as God. So Jesus actually spoke about money quite a lot. He used parables with money in it. Talents is an amount of money. And so it, it, it does represent to some degree, hear my heart, it represents our life. It represents the fact that you get up early in the morning, work pour out your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your, your intellect, and you serve an employer or you serve a business and you earn money. And that's, that's a part of who you are. So that when God asks us to give to him, it actually represents a part of our life, a part of our faith and a part of our what we could possibly trust in. So when we put our trust in God, we have no problems in giving him finances because he's our provider. We trust him. So him, our heart as a church, um, we probably speak on finances and kingdom finances once a year for about four or five weeks because it's important and we talk about budgeting. We talk about how to save. We talk about how to invest in some areas because we try to teach people be wise in your investment and how to invest and so on. Um, so we're going to get into the Word in First Chronicles 28. And as you know, the journey is... Um, the, the church, GGC, has been um, going since 32 years. So 32 years and a half. And in October, we, we, we hit 33 years. And for all that time, we never owned our own building. We never owned our own property. That means we had to lease buildings, rent buildings, set up buildings, set down buildings. Sometimes they were fully leased, so they were fully set up. But a lot of times we set up in function centers, coronation clubs, different places. We, I think, moved about 16 times in the life of 32 years. Um, and there, there is a degree that a, the, the Bible says this, that the, um, the, the borrower is servant to the lender. So the borrower is servant to the one that lends you money. So every time you, you, you're, a, you're in a lease or in a renting agreement or something that you have, you're only borrowing that house because yeah. you have to pay the landlord. Don't we call them landlords? Why do we call them landlords? Because they are lording over you to some degree. Because you're using something that belongs to them. So there is a, a connection. And God wants us, the Bible says, to be the lender, not the borrower. I'm telling you what the Bible says. So he wants to teach us how to be the ones that own property and actually lend to many and borrow from none. That's Old Testament. That's why the Jews, have, have, have they, 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 they practice their life on Old Testament Scripture. And so they've been trained by God on how to succeed in life because they do things according to the Old Testament and there's some amazing, powerful principles there. And so we have come to this place, long story short, 
through God's miraculous leading direction. Last week I explained it. Uh, we had some prophetic words that made it, made it very, very clear this was the right building. We needed a building exactly when this building happened to come on the market. 28 years, the, the previous family that owned this building ran, ran wedding reception here. And exactly when they were wanting to sell, after 28 years, we needed a building. And then the right person who we knew as a friend, and he was a Christian, and he used to come to our church, he got, he's a real estate agent, he got this building. So he gives me a call. And then just there's so many scenarios I can go after, one after another, of miracle after miracle after miracle where God's provision brought this place to us. I'm, we as an eldership team are completely convinced that it's God's will, God's timing for us to purchase this building. Um, the, most of you would know CJ and Tatiana who are on our leadership team. There's about 20 of our people that are in Bali. Someone's getting married, Daniel and Lee. And so, but CJ and Tatiana joined us from another church about um, a month after we saw this building. And so, you know, we had, we, had, we had lunch with them as they were telling us they want to join. And I, I spoke to them briefly about we found this building and they were looking at moving into this building and so on. And I didn't know. I mean, I think I knew he was a developer, but he, he's a developer, a builder, and his wife's a architect. So they offered to oversee the work and do the architectural drawings. And so it's just, just the timing of the provision of God for the right people to be in the right place to be able to move into this place. Um, we ended up coming to an agreement of $11 million with a two-year lease. That's why after being here for two years, we get to purchase it in July. So we leased it for two years. We handed over $1.2 million as a deposit to secure the sale of $11 million. So he can't sell it to anyone else but us. But if we, didn't, if we don't purchase it, we lose the $1.2 million. And it shows that we're all in, doesn't it? It shows that we put all our cards in a, in a game, you know, when you, when you know, chips, that's it. We put all your chips in. In other words, there's nothing looking, we can't look back. We can't go, oh no, we changed our minds. We totally believe it's God. And the Bible says faith without actions is dead. So we put our faith in it. And, and the first year that we were here, just so you're aware, for those that have joined us and aren't aware, we, um, we renovated the whole place. Completely renovated. This place looked completely different two years ago. It was in the 90s, looked a bit dated and old. But we spent in the, the equivalent, probably more, probably I'd say now I'm thinking about the equivalent because a lot of people donated things and, that, and people did things laboring for free. Some, some have done that. Like, so, so in the equivalent of $700,000 to renovate, that came out of our generosity as a church. So we had to pour that out. That was a faith journey when we were doing that. And some of you remember we were in that, that journey with us. And so over $700,000 to renovate everything. It's a big space, a big building, completely transformed everything. And now we have close to $485,000 in our bank account. But we need to raise at least another $1.3 million by um, July, late July. So we've got three months to do that in. And God's going to do it. The thing is, because God spoke to us, we trust that He is going to do it. But then there's a responsibility on us, as you call this church your home, a responsibility for us to do what we can. The reality is, I have to remind us, if we all do nothing, 
If we all, and that's imposs- it's an impossibility, so hear my heart, because we're all not, none of us are going to do nothing. Like, Kristen and I are already doing something, so that means we're not going to do nothing. But if we chose to absolutely do nothing, we would lose this building. We'd have to pack up all our stuff and get out and pack and start setting up and setting down again. I have to remind us the, 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 the seriousness of the fact that God has brought us here and now we're ready. Now we have to walk by faith. So, the, you know, I've said it before. The Red Sea has opened up, but we've got to walk through and the army's behind us. And if we did nothing and stand still, the army will catch up. We have to obey God. We have to continue moving forward by faith. Are you following me? Hear our heart, because I believe this building also, please understand, it's not going to go to a particular person. No one, no one person will own this building. We, we're setting up a non-for-profit trust fund. The trust fund will own it, but a person cannot own the building, because it, we're giving it to, for the house of God. And so even at the moment, I'm leading this church. So one day I will hand over the leadership of this church. That person can't own the, ch- the building. I can't own the building. No one, no one person could own the building because it, it's going to always belong to GGC Life, a non-for-profit church you know, that we have, we've, we've um, registered with the government many, many years ago. Just people need to know that. So when we give, we're not giving it to a person. We're giving it to the kingdom and the next generation. We're, we're going to sow seed for the next generation. You know, we're setting up... Uh, the house of God so that for generations to come your children can grow up in the house of God and if you've got children you're giving for the next generation like you you've got to believe that you got to and when I say the next generation it's the purposes of God we're giving towards the purposes of God because this building will be used to preach the gospel of the kingdom to disciple the nations to actually get people saved, to get people healed, get people delivered, marriages restored. Like that's the purpose of what we've given ourselves to. So I want us to understand when we do give towards the, the, the buying of this building, it's for the purposes of God. So when I use the context of house of God, it's always in the context of the purposes of God. Does that make sense? It's not just going to go to the physical building. Okay, the building's paid off and that's it. We're talking about for generations to come, we're setting up the next generation. When we first started the church, I started in my mom's lounge room, as you know. But when Leon was born, everyone knows Leon, he was our firstborn son. We put him in a bassinet right in front of a speaker, right, in, in, in a place on Parramatta Road on top of Sam's auto electrician. There's an auto electrician downstairs. And we're just a little small little office that we're having church in. And that's what he grew up in, his inheritance. But look what Elias and the next generation is growing up in when it comes to the kingdom manifestation of the, of the purposes of God, of the gospel of the kingdom. The next generation is going to grow up into a people. See, the church, people is the church. You're the church. People. We're the church. This physical building is just a physical building. But you know what? To house revival, you need a physical building. To house a revival, if you believe in God, to, for Him to move, depending how many years we got left on this planet, depending how many years we got left until Jesus comes back. Because we're going to live like He could come back in September. What happens if He came back in September? What are you going to do? What happens if He comes back in seven years' time? Ten years' time? Even if He came back in 30 years' time, that's still a short period of time. We've got to think like, Lord, we're running out of time. We've got to save the lost. We've got to reach people. That's the mission of the church, is to save the lost people that are lost. And, and without Christ, we'll go to hell for eternity, because that's the gospel. Are you with me? Now, David was called by God 
to build, well, sorry, he, he had it in his heart, I should say. David, King David, had it in his heart to build God a house for him to dwell in. Had it in his heart to build God a temple. I mean, in the, and in those days, when they built a temple, they overlaid it with gold, silver, precious stones. I mean, everything had a meaning. I mean, they, they, they spent billions of dollars, no exaggeration, billions of dollars to build a temple for God. But, but God spoke to David and says, you can't build it because you're a man of war. You've got hand, blood on your hands. I don't want you to build it. It's good that you've had it on your heart to build it, but I want your son Solomon to build it. Are you with me? So then Solomon, so then David explains this. Let's pick it up from 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 3. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name, because you are a man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from all the house of my father to be over Israel forever. He has chosen Judah to be a leader. Who knows what Judah means? Praise. He has chosen praise to be a leader. Isn't that beautiful? He has chosen praise to be a leader. And in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among the sons of my father, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. He chose, Israel, he chose Judah first. In other words, God chooses praise to be the leader, praise to be up front. Praise is so powerful. To praise God before you get something. To praise God for the miracle before you receive the miracle. To praise God for the provision of this place before we see it in our bank account. To praise God for that deliverance because he is faithful. It actually, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's the greatest expression of faith when you can praise God for something you haven't received yet, but because of His character, because He gave you His word. Amen. And so, verse um, 5, He's just reminding, He's saying this out loud to all of Israel, and He's saying, verse 5, All of my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne and of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. So basically out of all the, my, my father's house, there's many sons, he chose me. And he's really, in other words, King David is very appreciative that God chose him while he was a shepherd boy out there. He said to me, um, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be a son to me and I will be a father to him. I love that. Out of all this building, this amazing great temple, the greatest thing that, that David wants to remind him is he's chosen Solomon to be a son to him and a father to him. It's all about sonship and being a daughter of the king. Being a son, being a daughter. It's about relationship. Isn't that beautiful? Out of that sonship, out of that daughter, being a daughter of the king, we do what he asks us to do. And he says, um, I will establish his kingdom forever. So David is speaking on behalf of Solomon, speaking about Solomon. I will establish Solomon's kingdom forever. If he resolutely, God is saying this to David, if he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinance as is done now. Isn't that beautiful? So basically the first point I want to speak about is obedience. The reason why God's choosing Solomon is if he, if he resolutely obeys me and obeys my commandment, then I will prosper him all the days of his life. But it comes out of obedience. Solomon was one of the richest people of the planet ever existed. The son of King David. David had a lot of wealth, so, but Solomon grew up under that. But Solomon could handle it because of, as he kept his eyes on Jesus. 
the, on the Lord. The moment he took his eyes off the Lord, he got distracted. So in verse 8, is it 8? Yes, it is. So now in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may possess the good land and bequeath it, or give it as an inheritance to your sons after you forever. In other words, observe everything God shows you to do. Be obedient so that you can give it to the next generation. Buying this building won't give it to the next generation. Won't secure us giving it to the next generation. Obedience secures giving it to the next generation. There's a lot of beautiful cathedrals all over Europe. Beautiful cathedrals that are completely empty. But once upon a time, God was moving and in that place and they gave sacrificially to build it, the beautiful cathedrals. And they built it designed in those days to give glory to God. That, you know, they did it so lavishly to show that God is glorious to be praised. And so they, they built those things. But without God, without obedience, it, it lays empty. So it's not the physical building, is it? It's obedience in our everyday life. At home, when nobody's watching, when you're walking with the Lord, you spend time with Jesus. Amen? I want us to remember that. So it, what we know what the key is. The key is obedience, right? And then, then he says in verse 9, as for you, my son, Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him. So the whole point of the matter is to know the father, isn't it? The whole point of what we're about is to know God as our father and serve him. Again, beautiful, beautiful focus, beautiful perspective. With a whole heart and willing mind. We serve God with our, our whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts, understands every intent of the thoughts, if you seek him, he will let you find him. Don't you like that? If you seek him, God will let you find him. Wow. If you seek the Lord, he will allow himself to be found by you. The onus is on us to seek him. The Bible, other scriptures say, seek the Lord with all your heart and you shall find him. Isn't that beautiful promise? To seek the Lord. What's all this about? To seek the Lord with all our heart. So the next point is seeking him with all our heart. What does it look like to seek God with all our heart? It, it means everything that I am, everything I have, everything I, my gifts, my talents, my ability, everything, it serves your purpose. My life serves your purpose. It serves your heart. I want to please you more than anything else. That's what it means to please the Lord. I want to please you more above anything else. And in verse um, 10, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary, and he says, be courageous and act. Two things I want to point out there. Number three is be courageous. So when you walk in obedience, it's going to mean you have to walk in courage. There are times where you have to be courageous. David had to be courageous to grab those five rocks and run towards Goliath. But he had a vision and a revelation that God is way greater than this Goliath. He didn't see the size of Goliath. He knew that he could see the size of, of uh, his God, like, like Lara explained today. And we've got to have courage to run at our Goliaths. Sometimes our Goliaths, they manifest themselves differently. But we've got to say, Lord, if you're telling me to do this, I'm going to face my Goliath. And act. I love that word act because it speaks of action. And as I've said earlier, we as a church family and as an eldership, we've, we've acted on everything God's called us to do. We, 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 we stepped out of the boat. We're walking on the water. Now we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus because if you get your eyes off Jesus, you'll, you'll sink like Peter did. Now we're walking through the Red Sea, but you've got to keep walking in by faith because you look at the walls of water. If they fall down, we all drown. 
But if God's holding it up, he got it up in the first place, he's going to keep it up. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. So to have courage, to have action. And, and I, I haven't got time to explain this too much time, but um, basically number five is God's spoken word to us through relationship is a powerful key. Why, why, why do I say that? Because in verse 12 all the way to 19, God, um, David actually says, And the plan of all that he had in mind for the courts of the house of the Lord and for all the surrounding rooms, for the storehouses, the house of God, and for the storehouses of the dedicated things, also for the divisions of the priests and the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And he basically starts to name so many things in the house of the Lord, the, the tables, the weight of the tables, the, 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 the candlesticks, the weight of the candlesticks, how much gold is supposed to be in it. He's, he got the detailed plan. It actually says it in verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern and he revealed it to Solomon he told Solomon this is how you're supposed to build it because God's presence came on David he wrote out all the detailed patterns detailed measurements detailed rooms where they should be even the priests and what the Levites should do he explained it clearly he got it by a download from God himself and that to me is when the Holy Spirit speaks to you Arima that's how he builds the church that's what Jesus actually said to us all right and number six, we, number six that's, that's number five. But number six we find in um, verse, just here, verse 20. Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. Think about this. Don't be afraid. And act, for the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. So, so basically we've we got this promise that the Lord God is with us. When Gideon did what he did, when I spoke a couple of weeks ago or last week, Gideon wanted to make sure this is the will of God. Remember he fleeced a few times? And double check with God. He saw an angel. Angel spoke to him, and the angel hit the food that was offered, and fire came out of the rock. I mean, he realized that was the angel of the Lord. He wanted to be sure. He wanted to be a hundred percent sure that it was the will of God. And once he knew it was the will of God, three hundred men faced hundred and thirty plus thousand people in an army. That's courageous, isn't it? And he acted on it, and through that, God brought great deliverance. So we got to know that it's the will of God. We need to know in our own hearts, this, I'm giving towards the will of God. I'm giving towards the purposes of God. I'm rest assured that this is going to be for the bringing the kingdom on earth here, here in Sydney. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so if, if you flip over chapter 29, David starts to speak in verse 2. And I love this. Now with all my ability, have, yes, I have provided for the house of my God. The gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the bronze for the things of bronze. This is David out of his own personal treasure, bringing gold, bringing silver, bringing all these things, and iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, and onyx stones, inlaid stones, stones of antonomy, and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones, alabaster in abundance. Moreover, in my delight, in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold, and silver, his own personal treasure, I give to the house of my God, over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. Namely, and he actually explains how much he's given. And he's given 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, that's one of the best, finest golds, 7,000 talents of refined silver, 
to overlay the walls of the buildings. And he goes, of gold of the things of gold and of silver for the things of silver. This, that this, for all the work done by the craftsmen. So basically, he's saying, I've given out of my own personal treasure. He already gave out of the kingdom, lots of gold, silver and everything that he was leading. But then he goes, out of my own personal treasure, I've given this amount. And then because he was doing it out of leadership, he challenged the leaders, the captains, the, 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 the captains of thousands, the captains of hundreds, the captains of this area and the priests and all types of leaders over Israel. He challenged them to give. And then they responded to give. Um, yeah. Just want to be sure that I'm, uh, 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 the Lord is allowing me to, to share this because I felt that he, said, he gave me peace to do it and, and I wanted to be sure. But again, we're just leading by what's on our hearts. And so we, Christina and I have to lead out of what he says to us. So whatever he says to us is not what we expect others to do because we are individual people and have a relationship with God. But... Some time ago, in 2017, six, now it's six years ago, God placed on my, um, our heart, because our house, we bought it quite cheap in Blacktown, and we, bought a, 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 we went to Blacktown because we had five children. We wanted a bit more space, but we bought it for $570,000. And so that, the house grew. We've been there for 13 years. It grew in collateral. So we had people in our church that were saying to us, you should take the deposit out of that because of the collateral and invest. And so... Six years ago, we, took, we bought a, a plot of land in Melbourne that was $192,000, just land. And we built a house for $199,000. So that's under $400,000 from the loaning against our collateral in our home. Why, why, why do we do that? To invest so that the, the rent would pay the loan and they put the loan towards that house eventually after a few years. And we're building wealth for our children. We should be wise when you're able to do that. We should do that, right? I did it all out of the collateral of a house. And that house we bought because my parent, my mum passed away. My dad passed away way earlier, but my my mum passed away when I was 33. We were able to get money from the house that they worked for all their life. And that gave us a deposit to even get into the market. So, So just explaining all that story. But what's that for? That was for building wealth for our next generation, for our kids. And I remember one of our kids out of a conversation said, oh, Dad, you can't put your faith in, you know, what you're building and all that, you know, like building wealth. Uh, absolutely not. It's always the Lord's. And, he, and they said, but if the Lord speaks and says you should give it, you should give it. Of course. Everything belongs to the Lord. So five, six years later, we didn't know that, but the Lord spoke to us. And it was spoke to me and I said, I thought, yes, Lord, I'd love to sell that and, and sow it into the heart for the house. Like I, I so wanted to. And um, Christine, God spoke to her a year ago. And she sort of says, yeah, yeah, sure, Lord. If you speak to Leo, then we'll give it. You know? So we, we've, we, we, we planned to sell it earlier this year, and we sold it, and the money will be coming in literally next week. So we're able to sow the profit. We're going to pay off the loan, but we're able to sow it as about $200,000 profit into the house of God, into the purposes of what we're about. Because we, we do it with joy, literally out of faith, out of joy, because I know Guess what? I know that I know that I know I can't help give God. I'm not giving out of fear. I'm not even thinking, oh, there's going to be lack. Actually, I have a faith expectation. I'm going to have abundance because I put the kingdom first. And I mean that. I don't, I don't say that out of, I say that out of, I've seen 30 something years of God's faithfulness. 
When I first started the church, Kristen and I were, were living in an attachment of my mum's house, one little room. That's when Leon was born. We had, did everything in one bedroom. And I remember we drove a Bluebird, uh, a Nissan Bluebird, 1987. It's like a $500 car, a $1,000 car. And it, you know, it, it just made it around, you know, <laughs> A to B. But you know what? If I stayed in that car, you know how many people wouldn't? They hear my heart wouldn't follow and trust and follow a leader that's driving a car like that. Yes, in the early days, that's where I was. I was in 25 and I just got married and everything. But if, 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 if you can't see the hand of the Lord on us, you can't see an element of, hey, they trust in God, they're putting the kingdom of God first and they keep getting blessed. You've got you to you want to see that. If you're going to tr- trust, if you're going to follow a leader and you want to trust, I'm going to follow that leader. You've got to see an element of success. In the things of God, not just physical. Don't you hear what I'm not saying? In the things of God. Our greatest success, I've said that to my kids, our greatest success is our children. 100% is. I wouldn't want to you know, have, you know, win the world and lose my own children when they're not walking with the Lord. So, you know, I'm just trying to share our heart and help us see so that you, you, you want to follow someone that is actually trusting God. And when I say what I said about us sowing that $200,000, that's nothing to God. It's nothing to us because it's something I trust God with my future. A hundred percent. And that's, that's what I mean by doing willfully. Throughout the whole Bible, whenever people received offerings, they received an offering for a building. They always did it willfully. People did it out of their heart's desire. They wanted to give. Amen. And that's what I'm saying to us. You've got to get to a place where you have faith to give, you want to give, you're not, you don't feel compelled to give, you don't feel manipulated to give, you're not, you're, not, you're not battered over guilt. Notice we will never use guilt. Any, any sense of that stuff, fear or guilt, but we will speak about the will of God and, and, and pleasing Him. Amen? So um, where are we up to? I love this because it says, when he talks about his giving, and he gave, some people say all that David, maybe over the leadership of his, um, the kingdom and his personal treasures, he gave over $20 billion. That's a lot of money, equivalent. You convert that gold that's worth in those days to the gold that's worth today, $20 billion to the kingdom for the, for the house of the God, to build the house of God. And so he says... Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? That word consecrate, like who's willing in the area of giving, who's willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord? The word consecrate actually means to be full, to fill, which is an interesting word when, when we use the word consecrate. Consecrate means to be set apart in my mind, but to be full. Who's willing to be filled? Who's willing to be full to completeness himself this day to the Lord? And he's referring to giving to the kingdom. Because he's just saying, I've done it. Now he's encouraging the leaders to do it. And look what happens. Then the rulers of the fathers, households, and the princes of the tribes, they're, 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 they're the captains of the tribes of Israel, and the commanders of thousands and the hundreds, these are all the leaders in the land, with the overseers of the kingdom's work, offered willingly. So they respond out of faith. They offered willingly. They saw their leader lead and they go, you know what? I want to lead. I, I believe in the purposes of God. I believe in the kingdom bringing it here on earth. And so it says, and for the service of the house, house of God, they gave, and it gives you the amount that they gave. They gave 500 talents of gold, 10,000 derricks um, of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of brass, 100,000 talents of iron. 
Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in care of Jehiel the Gershonite. So they even gave their precious stones for the house of the Lord. It just shows that they, you know what, no matter what, whatever it costs, whatever, even with my precious stones that I have, I'll sell them, I'll give it to them. That's just their heart's desire. Then the people, I love this, then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly for they made their offering to the Lord. So what's happening here? The people rejoiced because they gave so willingly, again, because they want to give. But who were they giving it to? Not a man, not a person, not even to GGC. You're actually giving it to the Lord. That's our heart. When we give, it's our attitude is, we're giving this to you, Lord. It's for your purposes, for your kingdom. You're following? And so it says, when they did do this, so willingly, so they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. Isn't that beautiful? That they all rejoiced because everyone gave so willingly. Like I said earlier, if we all do nothing, we would literally lose this building. But we know we're not all going to do nothing. I'm asking, why don't we all do something? Even if it's small. Even if it's just, Leo, it's all I've got. It doesn't matter. The amount is not the issue. It's giving what we've got. The two mites we mentioned earlier, the woman with the two mites, she gave out of all her living that she had left to live on. And Jesus noticed her giving. Jesus actually sat at the treasury, by the way, and watched them give. That freaks me out. I've never had the guts to do that, ever, leading the church. Like to sit down and go watch. And he says, you know, all these people that are wealthy, they're giving out of their abundance. In other words, they're giving out of what's left over. It doesn't even hurt them. It doesn't move them. It doesn't do anything for them. They just give, it's almost like giving out a tip. And this lady had nothing else to live on and she gave two mites. And the interesting thing, there's a number of interesting things about this issue. is because Jesus received the offering. Jesus could have said, hang on a sec. No, no, she's a widow. Don't take that. You, you need that to live on. No, Jesus had trust and faith in the Father would provide for this widow and receive the offering in the treasury. Isn't that amazing? I have a clear conscience when I ask you to give to the house of God. You know why? Because I know God knows how to take care of you. I know that if you sow with an attitude of faith and obedience to God, He'll bring 30, 60, 100 times back into your, into your household. I know that. Now you've got to give it out of faith. Amen. And an obedience. Are you with me? Wonderful. Um, and it goes on. This, I love David's heart and attitude after it. He actually starts saying in verse 10, look at this. said, David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, remember David is the type of person that gave about $20 billion worth of gold and silver. And, and he led that out of his kingdom and gave it and so on. So this is his heart and attitude. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Isn't that a beautiful attitude to have? To really believe everything belongs to you. And it's, this is really where the rubber hits the road. If you really believe it all belongs to you, and it is all yours is the glory, yours is the splendor, yours is the greatness, yours is the power, and everything in heaven, everything on earth, all belongs to you. David believed that. I believe that. Yes, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you, you exalt yourself head over all. 
And he says, both riches and honor come from you. Now he started to say, everything comes from you. Riches comes from you. Honor comes from you. And he says, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and yours, from your hand we have given you. In other words, he's basically saying everything that came from you, we've just given back what you gave to us. This beautiful attitude of all is yours. You, you, everything we even gave to you came from you. I think about what we've already done in the will of God and the plans of God and the purposes of God. This is all from him. He gave us the ability to give back to him. Like it's our generosity, yes. But our attitude's got to be, Lord, you gave us that provision. You blessed us with a job. You blessed us with the ability. You blessed us with the skill. You blessed us with the ability to make money. And Lord, we brought this back to you. And look what you have done for the sake of your kingdom. We have to see it that it's all him. Amen. I love David's attitude that is, this is yours. Last week, remember, you've got, you got a faith. We're not giving to a man. Last week I explained a church, a partnering church, a friend of ours, I've known him for many, many years. He gives me a phone call and says to me, Leo, we've spoken to our elders and we've decided we're going to sow $30,000 into the house for your building. This is two years ago. $30,000. I was shocked because that was all they've saved to buy their building. They needed to buy a building. They need a home to, to, to worship God, a building. So they sowed it. I was moved big time. Two weeks later, a church from overseas sowed what they had for what they needed to do to build their building for their church. They sowed $90,000 into that church they gave to us. $90,000. Bang. What's happening? Sowing, reaping. $90,000. You can't make this up. And so that church, I found out only a few weeks ago, that church, we know that church, they're in New Zealand. And that church had about 350, around three, I don't remember the number, but I know it's over 350 to $400,000 mortgage to pay on their building. But they're in the process of building a big building. They need millions. Someone wrote one check and paid off their mortgage after they sold $90,000. Isn't that good? Isn't that amazing? God does that all the time when you trust and have faith. It's not, I mean, some, some of us have thrown everything out because some pastors and some preachers and some churches have pushed too hard in a wrong, selfish way. And we've not lived this out sacrificially. You following me? And some people say, you know, you give. And it, like, when we sow, yes, we know we will reap, but we're not giving to reap. We know it'll come back, but we're giving out of obedience. We give out of the need. We give out of obedience as the Holy Spirit speaks. I know it'll come back. A farmer knows when he sows seed into the ground, he should expect a harvest. That's biblical. It's all over the Bible, the sowing and reaping principle. You're following? But your motive is important. And so David goes on to say, look at this. Verse 16, uh, 15, for we are sojourners. Sojourners is, we're just foreigners here. We're just guests. If you and I can get a revelation, we're only here temporary. We're just as foreigners here. One day our sojourning here will be finished. Our being a foreigner in this land, some scriptures say aliens, we're the real aliens. Some of us are aliens because we belong to the kingdom of God, we're citizens of heaven. And he goes to say, look what he says, um, for we are sojourners before you and tenants, tenants means a lodger, 
as all our fathers were, our days on the earth are like shadows. That is temporary and there is no hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. Since I know, O my God, that you try the hearts. He tests the hearts. That word try means to examine. He examines the heart and delights in the uprightness. I in the, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offering willingly to you. Who are they giving to? To you, to the Lord. And it's a test of our hearts. You say, Leo, but you, you know, I've said this before. You, I don't know, I have anything to give. I don't have any money to give. If you have faith, ask God for the seed. Ask him to give money that you don't have to sow. Because the Bible says he provides seed to the sower. So if you, make an, if you switch, switch, switch your attitude and say, God, I want to be a sower. I want to be a giver. I want to, I want to, I want to contribute. I want to offer. You shift your heart, God will provide seed to the sower. And you release your faith with us to sow something. Say, Lord, I want to sow. If, if you're thinking, oh, Lord, let it, um, let it come into me. Let the money come and then I'll give. Like, not willing to give what you actually have. You've got to be willing to give what you actually have. And then release your faith. Lord, I'm, I'm sowing. I'm sowing what I do have and ask God for more because he'll give you more to sow. I'm convinced of that. I've seen it time and time again. He wants to show you how, how he provides. And he goes on. To, so then after this, he says, um, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy have I, no, I read it. From, yeah. He tests the hearts. He delights in uprightness. I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things, said David. So now with joy have seen your people who are present here make their offering willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, our fathers, and he says this, he prays this prayer, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their hearts to you. Preserve this. What, What is he preserving? Preserve the attitude to give and put you first. Preserve the attitude to seek first the kingdom of God and actually put God's kingdom first. Preserve this attitude in the hearts of the people forever. It's such a beautiful thing when they submit themselves and give to God and his purposes. Preserve this in the hearts of the people. David prayed. Wonderful. Direct your hearts to him. You You know how I said about God and money? God said, you can't love two masters. The root, sorry, the the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money, but the love of money. You can love money and have no money. You can be poor and kill someone someone over getting their sneakers. That's what's that? Love of money, love of possession, love of stuff, love of things. So it's not having a lot of money that's evil. It's the love of money. And if the money has you, that becomes an issue. So the greatest thing is put it in, the Bible says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. If money happens to be a treasure, put it into the kingdom, your heart will go towards the kingdom. It'll stretch you maybe. It might challenge you, but you're putting it towards his purposes. Your heart goes towards where your treasure is. It releases fear, unbelief, lack. To think of like, if I give, I've got lack now. No, it left my life, it left my hand, it never leaves my life. Because it's a seed. It'll be planted, it'll produce tree, it'll produce fruit. doesn't matter when, it just does. And in which way? Every way. 
We heard Joey say salvation came to her family. The man, Cornelius, sowed to God and he reaped salvation. The angel came and told him where he should hear the words of salvation. That's reaping from his giving. He was giving alms all the time regularly and it got the attention of God. It's in the Bible. Got the attention of God. I'll finish with two. If you want to look them up, Exodus chapter 36, 3 to 7. I think Brendan had something to share as well. I'd love to have Brendan come and share what's on his heart. Um, Exodus 36, 3 to 7. 2 Chronicles 31, 4 to 11. Both of them, two different accounts where they were asked to bring the tithe, the offerings and physical things to build the house of the Lord. Both of them, they gave too much. They actually had to stop the giving and say, hang on a sec, all the workers says, what's all this pile of heaps? It's just piling up, piling up, piling up. It's too much. And they had to tell Moses, Moses, stop the people, restrain the people from giving because it's given too much for the kingdom of God. Isn't that a good problem to have? Twice it happened in the Old Testament. How much more in the New Covenant? We're based on better promises. They actually restrain. I'd love to have that problem. Guys, stop, stop. You've given way too much. We've just paid off the building. It's enough. It's okay. You think I'm joking? I actually have faith for that. I'm believing for that. Because it takes God, just one person, and say, I'll sow a million. It takes another person, I'll sow a million. I'll sow 100,000. I'll sow 50,000. I'll sow 10. Anyone. God could use anyone. We're, we're trusting God, not man. Amen? Come, Brendan. And then we're going to pray for us. We're receiving this offering in early June. So if you want to prepare yourself whichever way you need to, make sure you talk to your husband and wife if you're married. Make sure you're in agreement, you're in unity and so on. Thanks, mate. Um, who believes church is family? I'll just take it upon myself to speak to you as big brother this morning. Um, just had something come on my heart during the... I didn't know what Lee was going to preach and it just makes even more sense and I'm sharing it now. But um, before prayer time, before the service, um, yesterday, cut a long story short, we watched a replay of South's grand final, 2014. Um, and I remember being a supporter at the game and, and cheering them on and how sweet it was. And I just felt like, um, I should check my notes so I don't get carried away. Have you guys ever supported a team? Yeah. How good does it feel when they win? Yes. I just feel as at GGC at the moment, we're contending for something. We're competing for something. It's this building. That's the, that's the competition we're in at the moment, so to speak. And I just want you to answer in your heart if you call GGC home. Don't put your hand up. I'm not looking for But just answer it right now. Just say yes or say no. And then also answer the question, well, if you've said no, but... Are you part of the body of Christ? Because this thing, as we've heard, this thing extends outside our walls, which is awesome. And if you said yes, then I'm here to say for you sitting in this room, you're on the field. You're not supporting. God says that you're on the field. He's called us to be on the field. He's called us to contribute. And um, as much as it's fun and it's beautiful and it's sweet to support and cheer when a team wins, like... Get, I just, I don't know, as big brother, I just want to say you have something to bring during this season. There, there's a pass you have to throw or there's, a, there's something you've got to give. And I urge you to do it. I urge you not to just support and cheer 
as we take this victory, but actually bring what it is that you have to give. If it's two mites, it's two mites. Um, if it's, you know, whatever it is, and there's two areas we can give. We can give in faith and we can give in deed. We can give in prayer and we can give in dollars. And um, I just really urge you guys to do it. Like I know um, the price is going out, the, the to outweigh the price. I'm stirred. I'm excited as... As one of your brothers, to, I'm just so stoked that I'm, I'm on the field for this, for this competition, for, to see this victory happen. And you should be excited as well. And let's just give what we can give and do what we can do during this season. Beautiful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. It really is an opportunity of honour to give for your kingdom's purposes for the sake of the house of God and to see the purposes of what we're about as a family. We are the pillar and foundation of truth here in this land. And Lord, you gave us a prominent building on the main road, in the middle of Sydney, for a reason and for a purpose. We've always wanted to have that visibility, that credibility. Father, that we're not hiding, we're not, not hiding in the back lane somewhere, in a warehouse somewhere, but... Lord, we're on the top of a hill for everyone to see. We pray you'd use us to preach this gospel of your kingdom in this city, in this nation, and beyond the nations of the world. Father, receive the offering of your people, the willingness of what we are willing to give for the sake of the kingdom. We thank you for your glory. Thank you that you will take care of them 30, 60, 100-fold return back. We decree it. We believe it. And everyone says, Amen. And amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.